we'll just see how the Lord unfolds this for us tonight and where he wants to take, take us uh, in, the <clears throat> in this final session of, this, of the study. Because, uh, let me just, and I probably should have prefaced this when we first got started, but this, this study is more than just becoming a better you. This is about a mindset that reveals the purposes of the kingdom of God. And if the church is weak in any area, it's understanding how to advance the kingdom in the earth. You know, we're big on worship. Uh, we're big on winning the lost and all of those things we should be. But once we get them won, what do we do with them? My concern has been over the years is that the church doesn't become a revolving door where people come in and go out. But they get discipled and they mature and they grow up in Christ. If you heard what David Ravenhill was teaching on Sunday and what Jeremiah taught on the previous two Sundays about being overlooked and the divine fit and even how the Holy Spirit ministered during the worship time, God is, God is speaking definitively to this body in the areas of how we mature and how we grow up and what Barry taught us. Where do we go from here? Do we just want God to bless us for and no more? Is that our prayer? Or are we prepared to see God expand us beyond the walls of this church? And do we want to take Lakeland and Winter Haven and Auburndale and Plant City and the surrounding regions for Christ? I mean, are we really concerned about that? Because it's going to take mature believers that won't quit when the going gets tough to stand in the gap and get out there in the trenches and minister to people that are broken and hurting because we understand that grace and mercy have been extended to us and so therefore we can reach those who are broken and hurting because we can extend grace and mercy to them and the forgiveness that's only found in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. God's looking for some John 10.10 Christians. How long do we let the devil, the thief, come and rob and steal and kill us? Kill us off one by one. He said, but I didn't come for that purpose. I'm here so you could have life. And life more abundantly. And isn't it great that we can live the abundant life? When you think about all that God's done, you just begin to contemplate on what He's done. Think about the Lord. We think about His goodness. Think about all that He's done for you. Let's think about it for a moment. You know, that's how thoughts come to us. It starts off as an idea. You realize you were God's idea? Formed before you were ever formed and fashioned in your mother's womb. You were, you were the idea of God. You were the object of his love. Kind of blows people's mind when we walk up to them and tell them, you know, God seems to think that you were worth the blood of his son. Wow. It doesn't matter if it's a hardened criminal on death row. 
our little three-year-old in kids' church. God loves us. He loves us, and he commends his love to us through the expressions of Jesus Christ. And so he says to us in Matthew 5, you're the light of the world. That's what God thinks about you. You're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. That's who you are. And so get out there and be light. Be salt. Pour yourself into other people's lives. Minister to them. Pray for them. Love them. Forgive them. Boy, isn't that a wonderful word, forgiveness? I mean, Jesus put the stamp on it when he said, you know, if you don't forgive people, it's going to be tough for your Father in heaven to forgive you. You better extend forgiveness. Amen? Praise the Lord. I had a little chorus I wanted to, I wanted to just flow into tonight. So there it is. If you want to just sit there and worship with me for a minute, just, just enjoy the presence of the Lord for a second. This is a little, this is a thought-provoking lyric. So just uh, think about what he's done for you, how he's ministered to you. When I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he healed me to the uttermost. When I think about the Lord, how he picked me up and he turned me around, how he placed my feet on solid ground. It makes me want to shout Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. It makes me want to shout Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. So when I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me, with the Holy Ghost, how he healed me to the uttermost. When I think about the Lord, how he picked me up and he turned me around, how he placed my feet on solid ground. It makes me want to shout, Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. Oh, it 
it makes me want to shout a hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, you're worthy of all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Can you just thank him tonight? Can you bless his name? Oh, we bless you, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the times you've healed us for filling us with the sweet Holy Spirit. Thank you that your eye is ever on us. You order our steps. And you've started a good work in us. And thank you tonight for the assurance you're faithful to complete the work that you've begun in each of us. So, Lord, we just ask you to anoint our minds. We know that your word is anointed, but anoint us to receive your word. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see and open up revelation, knowledge, and wisdom before us tonight. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. As the presence of the Lord is in this place, we thank you for what we're about to receive, the word of the living God. It changes our lives, makes us new. Behold, I make all things to become new, says the Lord. If you're in Christ Jesus, the old has passed away, the new has come. You're a new creation in Christ. Hallelujah. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Amen. Your identity is not determined by your past experiences it's determined by the faith that you placed in the in the finished work anybody hear that word the finished work some of us are looking for God to do something new he's already said behold I'm doing a new thing says the Lord he's already doing a new thing it's already finished it's already complete now, he's opening up revelation to us, but to, when he does that, it, we get revelation from the word reveal. It means to lift the veil. The truth has been there all the time. It just hasn't been revealed to us yet. But when God chooses to reveal it, or we open our minds and our spirits up to receive revelation. Well, the past few weeks has been heavy-duty revelation. And the thing is, are we receiving it because God is, has us in a season of preparation? Are we hearing what the Spirit says to the church? It's important. We need to hear what God is speaking to us. And we need to be prepared not just to hear it. Hearing there means with the intent to obey. With intent to to obey. When God speaks, I obey. When God speaks, your servant's listening. I'm ready to do it. Get up and go forth. Go do what I've called you to do. Do what I've commanded you to do. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 10 tonight. This is a familiar passage. 
we've, a lot of guys have, uh, have expounded this before. But I want to I begin tonight and, because this is, the, this is the final session and we got to talking about the unregenerate mind versus the regenerate mind, what all happens there with uh, the, the, our thought patterns and thought processes and mindsets. We understand that it's impossible for the unregenerate mind to know God, to receive the things of God. But the, but the regenerate mind, that mind that has given itself over, well, let me say it this way. It depends on what tree that you've decided to live in. Are you living in the tree of knowledge of good and evil, or are you living in the tree of life? Our, our forefathers got us into slavery because they decided to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. God wants us to live in the tree of life. So we've got to quit jumping trees, as one pastor said. <laughs> we, we're jumping trees. We want, the, we want the blessings of the tree of life, but we keep jumping back over to the tree of knowledge of good and evil because that's all we know, and we're comfortable there because in the tree of knowledge of good and evil, we control things, we get it done our way. But it's self-righteousness rather than his righteousness. Do we want to be right? A lot of people want to be right. I've seen people that just want, they'd do anything to prove their point to be right. But the question becomes, do you want to be right or righteous? Which is it? Because our righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of the Lord. The only thing that purifies us is the blood of Jesus. Gets us in right standing with God. Gives us right relationship with him. And that's what God wants for us, is right relationship. When you come to Christ as a, and, and you become a believer, what type of relationship are you developing with Him? A lot of people know about God, but they don't know God. They have knowledge of God, but in, are they in relationship? Are we in relationship with God? So in 2 Corinthians 10, Paul's talking about here, and he says in verse 1, I urge you by the gentleness and graciousness of Christ, I who am meek, so they say, when with you face to face, but bold, outspoken, and fearless toward you when absent, I ask that when I do, when I do come, I will not be driven to the boldness that I intend to show toward those few who regard us as if we walked according to the flesh, like men without the Spirit. For though we walk in the flesh as mortal men, we're not carrying on our spiritual warfare according to the flesh and using the weapons of man. The weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood. How many know that? We don't get out there and fight with physical weapons. We've got a, there are spiritual weapons that God has equipped us with, and we, know, we need to know how to utilize those. 
Otherwise, we have too much frustration in the church because we see things and situations and, and circumstances around us that we don't know how to deal with and we're not fighting with the proper weapons. We're trying to control it through human ingenuity and the things that only the flesh can do, our five senses. But God's wanting to bring a new mindset into our minds and he says we are, our weapons are divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Are strongholds. Let me give you this nugget. A stronghold is a safe place for the devil to hide. A stronghold is a safe place for the devil to hide. And the enemy doesn't mind coming to church. He'll find any entry point and any entry level that he possibly can to get into your life, to be able to infiltrate the way you think, the way you feel, and the way you respond to God. But Paul says, our weapons are divinely powerful. These weapons come from God to the destruction of, for, uh, of fortresses. We're destroying sophisticated arguments and every exalted and proud thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we're taking every thought, say that with me, every thought and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ, being ready to punish every act of disobedience when your own obedience as a church is complete. You are looking only at the outward appearance of things. If anyone is confident that he is Christ's, he should reflect and consider this, that just as he is Christ's, so too are we. For even though I boast rather freely about the authority the Lord gave us for building you up and not for destroying you, I will not be ashamed of the truth, nor do I want to seem to be trying to frighten you with my letters. For they say his letters are weighty and forceful and impressive, but his personal presence is unimpressive and his speech contemptible of no account. Let such people realize that what we say by word in letters when we are absent is the same thing as what we are in action when we're present. We do not have the audacity to put ourselves in the same class or compare ourselves with some who supply testimonials to commend themselves when they measure themselves by themselves. Do you hear that? When they measure themselves by themselves. What does that mean? Well, here's an example. Well, if he calls himself a Christian, I know I'm going to make it to heaven. And he acts the way and lives the way he lives. Come on. I call it the disease of comparisonitis. Has anybody ever compared themselves? When we compare ourselves, that's what Paul is addressing here. When we compare ourselves by ourselves or by someone else. Or, I can never be what God's called me to be because of my past failures. Aren't you thankful God completed that at the cross? It's a finished work. All your sins He took care of. All your failures. He factored in all of your mistakes, all of your shortcomings, all of your misgivings. And yet He counted you worthy 
to sit together with him in heavenly places with God and to worship him together with the body of Christ so that you find a place of servanthood where that you can sacrifice together and we become laborers together with God for the common purpose of advancing the kingdom of God in the earth. Hallelujah be to God. They lack wisdom and behave like fools. We, on the other hand, will not boast beyond our proper limit, but we will keep within the limits of our commission, our territory or authority, which God has granted to us, a measure which reaches and includes even you. We're not overstepping the limits of our province as if we did not legitimately reach to you, for we were the very first to come even as far as you with the good news of Christ. We don't go beyond our proper limit, boasting in the work of other men, but we have the hope that as your faith in Christ and his divine power continues to grow, our field among you may be greatly expanded, but still within the limits of our commission, so that we may preach the gospel even in the lands beyond you, but not to boast in work already accomplished in another one's field of activity. Did anybody hear that? In another one's field of authority or activity. Do you understand what God's doing at heart of the Father is really a divine experiment? To see if what happened in the first century church in the book of Acts, where fivefold ministry was functioning and there was no pride. There was, no, there was no haughtiness. There was no self-righteousness. There was no jealousy. There was no envy. There was no anger. But that everyone there was working for the common good to advance the kingdom in that region so that the gospel could be taken to the ends of the earth. Wow. Do you understand that when you put together an eldership and you put together deacons, and people who understand that we're here to serve and to sacrifice for the common good, that whatever it takes to get the job done, we just roll up our sleeves and get to work and get it done because of our love and allegiance to him and him alone. It's all about him. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. I'll just throw in a little sidebar here. Sunday when it got quiet and there was no music, <clears throat> I've been in so many congregations that when it gets quiet, we don't handle quiet well. We got to have the drums pounding and people singing and something going on, somebody praying. Man, it was wonderful. Thank you, worship team, for just stopping and letting Jesus be Jesus in the house. It's okay when it gets quiet. Some people get antsy. And people are looking around like, well, what are y'all going to do next? Because we've become such a mindset, we're so programmed, that you've got to tell me what to do. Stand up, sit down, pass the buckets, come down to the front. 
Let's all clap. Let's give the Lord praise. We've got to be told what to do instead of saying, God, I'm here to worship you today. And whatever you have for me, my mind is fixed on you. It stayed on you. Whatever you have for me, I'm ready. I'm not, I'm not uptight about somebody else getting a blessing today. What somebody else does. You know? Are you, are you, is anybody, anybody following me? I mean, I don't have to get... I don't have to get worked up just because Raul's up praying. And I mean, the boy gets worked up when he starts praying. I mean, he's got that Godfather voice, and when he starts in, he goes, I want to tell you now, God's in this place, and he's moving, and we need to move with the Spirit of God. He knows I love him. That's why I can. But we're not here to boast in what some other person does. Everybody's here to exalt Jesus, to edify the body, to point everybody to Christ. And he said, what happens when the body of Christ does that? Here's the prescription for winning the lost. When he's lifted up, what did he say he would do? Draw all men unto him. Hallelujah be to God. So when the body adopts that mindset that we're not here to focus on anybody or any one individual or anything or any group, we're here to lift up and exalt the name of Jesus. That's what the transformed mind is all about. The transformed mind is how the Lord has chosen to manifest his kingdom. The last verse, let him who boasts in the Lord, for it is not he who commends and praises himself who's approved by God, but it is the one whom the Lord commends and praises. So the transformed mind is how God has chosen to manifest his kingdom in the earth. It's the mindset Simply stated, let's get on the same page of the Holy Ghost. Get on the same page of the Holy Spirit. Because we're about seeing that the kingdom of God is manifest. He can manifest at Outback, at Walmart, on the job, at the hospital, wherever he's needed. He can manifest his presence and accomplish his will if we have a kingdom mindset that we're here to advance the kingdom of God in the earth. Your mind is either renewed, it's being renewed daily, or it is at war with God. That's heavy duty. You're either renewing it or it's at war with God. And if you're not letting your mind, getting your mind renewed, the enemy's got plenty of other stuff for you to think about. How about worry? How about anxiety? How about depression? All these things of the flesh. It's a wonderful day in our lives when we realize that all that comes to us in life, we have no control over it. 
It's God who's in charge. We try to control it. We try to make it as comfortable as we can. We try to, but we're just getting by by the skin of our teeth when we try to do it according to the five senses, according to the things of the flesh. The flesh profits nothing. It's the spirit that makes alive. It's the spirit that accomplishes the purposes and plans of God. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I want to bless you. I want to prosper you. I want to lift you up. I want to do good things concerning you. One of my favorite passages in the Bible. And it came to pass. Say, why do you say that? Because I'm glad it didn't come to stay. There's some things I want to pass. I want them to come and pass. Said the fellow with the kidney stone. I want to pass. Some things I need to come to pass. Some things I need to learn to wait on the timing of the Lord instead of trying to rush it. We live in a make it happen culture. Make it happen, make it happen. I want it yesterday. Hold the pickle, hold the lettuce. Special orders won't upset us. All we ask is that you let us have it your way. I call it Burger King Christianity. We want it our way. God says, it's not your way, it's my way. It's my way. And he sends the challenges of life and the circumstances. We're running around here looking for a devil under every bush. My God, I'm feeling renointed tonight. We're looking for a devil under every bush. We're talking, oh, this is demonic, this is the devil attack, this is an attack of the enemy. Sometimes it just might be God trying to move us out of our complacent comfort zone, trying to have it our way when God's saying, I need to move you over to a new place that I want to show you some new things, but you're so comfortable, you can't hear me, and you can't see me, and you can't even think the thoughts that I want you to think. Because you've gotten so... Logged in to your old way of doing things. We just don't want to change. I ran into that as a teenage boy. And I wanted to go on a camping trip with my best friend. I went to my dad and I said, Dad, I want to go on the camping trip with Ron. He said, okay, I guess it'll be all right. I got all packed up. I was excited. Came back. Dad said, Son, I've changed my mind. You're not going. Well, I threw a fit. I, I, was, I was so upset with him. Dad, why not? I pled my case, trying to convince him why it was okay for me to go. He said, son, my mind's made up. I've changed my mind. Anybody ever changed your mind about something? I've changed my mind. You're not going. I said, why not? He said, because I'm dad. I was 13 years old, and I'd lived in his home long enough to know when he said, because I'm dad, that was the final authority. 
and I'd best not challenge it. Because I'd early on as a 10-year-old tried challenging it, and the outcome was not pretty. <laughs> so I just accepted at face value because I'm dad, I know best, I know what's good for you, and I've changed my mind, and what you wanted to do or what you thought would be an exciting thing for you to do, you're just going to have to understand that there's a discipline that you don't get to do everything that you want to do. How many know that sometimes the Lord stops us from doing things for our own good and our own protection because it would have wound up getting us in a world of hurt and a world of trouble that we spend the rest of our lives trying to get ourselves out of? When God says, I want to transform your mind. We see this on the Mount of Transfiguration. It's a picture of transformation because Jesus takes two of his disciples up on the mountain and he allows his disciples to attend the Transfiguration prayer meeting. And they see him transformed right before their very eyes into a resurrection body. Now I want to tell you, if you, can, if you want to start thinking some thoughts, start thinking about what it's going to be like when your body and your mind are no longer subject to sin. And you have a resurrection body that can just walk through a wall. Hello? I'm not talking about some wild mystical stuff that we we hear in, on star wars and star trek i'm talking about what the spirit is leading us into that we're going to be capable of the tragedy is we sometimes we won't even let our minds go there we won't even get into that mindset of the spirit lord you just begin to seed my minds with heavenly thoughts and heavenly ideas and heavenly imaginations and heavenly inspirations. I want to think God thoughts. I want God thoughts to come to me. Listen, we don't have a problem thinking demonic stuff. We don't have a problem giving our minds over to the devil. Why? Because we got this old flesh house we're wearing and it's subject to the things of, of the flesh. The demonic can inspire evil thoughts. What's more tragic is evil thoughts can inspire the demonic. They can work against us. But the renewed mind, get this, the renewed mind is to work in conjunction with heavenly realities so that they become manifest on earth. Well, brother, do you have scripture for that? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A heavenly reality becomes an earthly manifestation. We can give place to our thoughts through unseen realities. When we do that, strongholds are developed. You can learn the stronghold of a, of a city by seeing what that city trusts in other than God. 
What do they trust in other than God? Power? Lust? Covetousness? Pride? What does Lakeland trust in? Has Heart of the Father took time to discern that? What do we trust in in Lakeland more than God? And what is Heart of the Father doing about, going about doing to advance the kingdom in the culture to change the mindset of what's going on in Lakeland so that Lakeland no longer trusts in the things of their flesh and what they can control, but they trust in God. What are, what are we doing? Well, one good thing we're doing, one good thing, but there's, there's thousands more. There's tens of thousands more opportunities. Options for women's a good start. Seeing if we can stop killing the unborn and shedding, un, shedding innocent blood. That's a good place to start. The mission field's a good place to start. That's a good place. But the, we've got a mission field here. It's great that the Daves are in Africa tonight. It's great you guys went to Iraq. It's great that we're going overseas. We're taking the gospel message over there. We have concern. But what are we doing here in Lakeland? What are we doing to advance the kingdom? And is the mindset of heart of the Father, what are we doing? God, show us. What is it that Lakeland trusts in? And where are the strongholds here in Lakeland so we can go about setting about to use the weapons that you've equipped us with to pull down the strongholds of the enemy and to see that the Spirit of the Lord redeems and renews and restores everything that the enemy has stolen. It's the old chorus we used to sing years ago when I was a teenager. I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole. How long do we keep letting him steal from our families, from our marriages, on the job? Situations that we struggle with in the church. Because the church, when we, when we understand that the church is a living, breathing, vibrant organism. It's not a building and it's not four walls. And the sooner we understand that it's a body, that it's alive, and that it has parts and it has members, and all of those parts are needed. You lose your toes and you're going to have an equilibrium problem. And sometimes we don't have enough toes in the church to support us, so we're out of balance and we're rocking and reeling all the time. Sometimes we don't have enough ears and eyes in the church, so we can't see and hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church. How many times did John the Revelator say that to the seven churches? Those who have ears to hear. Those who have ears to hear. You've left your first love. You're going after other gods. You're putting other things ahead of the Spirit of the Lord. And strongholds are developed. Anybody that thinks, and we can go around patting ourselves on the back all day long and saying, well, we've got a unique situation going on here at Heart of the Father, but don't you think hell hasn't take, 
taking notice of what's going on here. You better be keenly aware. And if the enemy can find an entry point, and he'll come in any way he can to try to destroy what's going on here. That's why you have to have houses of prayer and you have to have intercessors and you have to have people who are watchmen that stand on guard and you have to have prophets that sound the alarm and blow the trumpet in Zion and sound the alarm on the mountain of the Lord because the enemy will find any way he can. Through any means and any method he can. Doesn't matter if we have a school of ministry across the way over here. Any, any place the enemy can find a safe place to hide that he can get in and start his, this undercurrent of deception and confusion and doubt, and the next thing we know, we've got dispersion and everybody's scattered. And people, what will people do? Well, they're just like all the other churches. I knew something would happen. And people just lump you in with the same group. Or do we have a mindset that says, no, we're not going to let that happen here. We're not going to backbite. We're not going to gossip. We're not going to run each other down. We've been called when we come together to edify everybody. My father used to say, among other things, when he said, I've changed my mind, he used to say this quite often. And I used to think, Dad, you have lost your mind. And he'd say this to his congregation. I love everybody and everybody loves me and anybody that doesn't is not in their right mind anyway. When you think about it, it's a true statement. Anybody that doesn't, doesn't have the right kind of love because if you had the love of Jesus, you'd love me the same way I love you because I have the love of Jesus. He said, when God puts his love in our hearts, the Holy Spirit just sweetens our whole spirit up so that everywhere we go, the love of God's just flowing out of us, just emanating from us. So people look at us and they, and they say, you know, there's something different about you. Are people saying that about us? That's what the transformed mindset does. There's something different about us and it's Jesus. Because he gives us opportunity and expression as we're advancing the kingdom to be able to let his light so shine before men that they may see the good work that he's done in us and glorify our Father which is in heaven. Hallelujah. Now, according to Galatians 5, and I'm not going to take time to go into that if you want to, you want to read it, but as I was just saying a minute ago, let me just sum it up. The devil has created a problem. <clears throat> the misguided heart seeks to manipulate and control, according to Galatians 5. Witchcraft, it's witchcraft, it's a sin of the flesh. Well, I just don't like the way they're doing that over there. Jeremiah, when he preaches, he, that prophecy business is too hard. I, I've had people say that. I don't, I don't believe that prophecy business. Or it's too hard. That stuff he does is too hard. Listen, anytime a critical, 
a critical spirit lifts its ugly head here. I love everybody and everybody loves me and anybody that doesn't is not in their right mind anyway. Because the enemy, through criticism, and it's one of the, it's one of, and people will do it. I'll say it like Tom Selleck says it on his commercial. This isn't my first rodeo. I've been around it this a while. And criticism is the most subtle way that the enemy will try to get into a body and, get, and infiltr infiltrate the mind. Think, it starts with an idea. What's the idea? Well, I don't like that. When I was a music pastor, one of the things that get in there, well, they don't sing enough hymns there. Now, I know I'm stepping up. If I am, hello. You ought to sing more hymns. You ought to sing more Bill Gaither. I love hymns. I love Bill Gaither. I can go back and sing them back into the 1800s. I can go way back. But I tell people this. And Revelation bears this out. And for those of you that love to sing the old songs, I do too. I've got a, people to tell me, that's the song I, that was being sung the night I got saved. I remember that song. We used to have a lady, when my choir would sing One Less Stone. It was a Brooklyn Tabernacle choir song. One less stone, one more voice to praise the mighty name, the name of the Lord. But we had that beat going. It was rocking. The house was going. And this sister would get going. The next thing we know, she's doing this. And she had spin till she fell out on the floor. But every time we sang one less stone, we knew that sister was going, she was going to get happy in the Lord because she would say, sing my song. Sing my song. Well, I'm going to give you a word. The Bible says, sing a new song to the Lord. Has anybody got a hold of that? That's a mindset. God, if you have something new for me, why does he want a new song so we don't get stuck in the rut? One fellow said a rut is a grave with both ends knocked out. We just get stuck in the rut. Sing something new. Have fresh ideas. Bring before him a new sacrifice of praise. A new sacrifice of worship. A sacrifice costs you something. Well, brother, bless me if you can. Because I'm just going to sit here and be my same old stoic self. Bring a sacrifice of worship. My God, I don't feel like standing all the time. Sometimes I feel like sitting. But sometimes the Lord says, stand up and make a sacrifice of worship in the house of God. Don't get stuck in the rut and don't let the sins of your flesh justify what you should be sacrificing to the Lord. 
Because my flesh wants to manipulate and control the things that God wants, the things God would have me to do. My flesh will get in the way. What does it do? Well, Galatians 5 says that fiery darts, wrong or per- perverted thought patterns. What are fiery darts? Fiery darts. Wrong or perverted thought patterns. Thoughts that attack the mind from the outside that we don't take ownership of. Somebody hear me. That we don't take ownership of. Versus things that surface in my heart that I'm convicted of and I need to repent of. I've discovered we don't repent well in the body of Christ. It's quiet now. We don't repent well. What is repentance? It's akin to salvation. I change my mind. I change masters. I was going this way, headed to destruction. I'm now going this way, headed to eternal life. The longer I live in this earth, I don't live from day to day. I don't borrow from its sunshine, for its skies may turn to gray, as the old song said, many things about tomorrow I don't seem to understand. I live life now in light of not today or tomorrow. I'm living life in light of eternity because everything that affects me now has eternal consequences and eternal value. I'm living in terms of eternity. I already know who holds tomorrow. He's got my hand. I'm hanging on. He's hanging on to me. But the fiery darts that attack my mind, when they come, all that's in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, pride of life. Three things. Those three categories, they're going to come to us. Anybody ever had a, anybody have a negative thought today? Negative? Anybody ever had a bad thought? Anybody ever had an unholy thought? We got okay, good. I've got the right group. What do I do when those thoughts come? How do I handle that? I take ownership of that thought and I say, You, you know what the Lord's been de- dealing with me about? When those thoughts come, Galatians 2:20, I'm crucified with Christ. I'm crucified with Christ. If I'm living in light of eternity, I'm crucified with the thought comes. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. How do I deal with it? Here's how I've been dealing with it. I'll just commend it to you. I just say to that thought, I'm dead to sin. I'm dead to sin. It's no longer Randy Horton that's living. It's Christ that's living in me. His life is being manifest in me. And the life I live, I want to live into the glory and the praise and the honor of him who loved me and gave himself for me. He's the one I owe my allegiance to. Come on, let's get over ourselves and stop trying to please and impress people. You know why we want to please and impress people? Because we want to be thought well of and well spoken of. 
And how many know that the opinions of men are a dime a dozen? The opinions of people. It was a beautiful day in my life when I stopped allowing other people to intimidate me. Well, they preach better than I do. You know, that's inertia. That's a drag that becomes a pull on our experience and our walk with the Lord. Well, I can't do that because I feel inadequate because they can let somebody else. That's the, one of the classic excuses in the body of Christ. Let somebody else do it because there's other people here that can do it much better than I can. Maybe God didn't call them to do that. Maybe he called you. Did you inquire of him to find out if it was his will or did you just, has that become the norm of your excuse? By the way, a little footnote here. Sunday, don't miss it. Don't miss Sunday. It's going to be a blowout. It's just going to be a blowout. Now, not because I'm, I'm going to be involved. Only kind of. Sister Jenkins is putting in a little. But here's the deal. Here's, here's why. Here's, here's why. and Because I, I was inquiring of the Lord about this there. So here's the footnote. I want us, when the choir gets up there Sunday, take a picture. Take a picture of the choir. This isn't to glorify the choir. This is to fulfill a prophetic manifesto. I want the picture to be sent to Jeremiah with the caption, See what the gray hairs can do. Okay? Because we got a bunch of gray hairs in this crowd. Don't we, brother? We got We got them. And guess what? Some of us are up there. Some of, most of us are up there. That mm, minimal talent. Myself included. Minimal. But guess what we said? The Word of God takes that in. It doesn't excuse us and said, sit on the pew, sit on the bench. When they tell you to go out in the lobby and sign up to sing in the choir, you know, in a church our size, we ought to have 40 or 50 people singing in the choir. You know? But the Lord made, He made provision for us when He said, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. So there's some of us that are going to get up there and we're going to make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Come on. That was you, brother. Why? Because if the Holy Spirit convicts me, then there's some things I need to apologize to God for and say, God, I'm sorry for the thing I made it when it's all about you and I need to get up and get about the Father's business and doing what the Holy Spirit has placed in my heart to do because every person in this body has an assignment from God. None are left and none can say, I don't have a place or an excuse where I can just sit down and do nothing and whistle the tune of do less. We've got to get rid of stinking thinking. How many have heard that? What is stinking thinking? Unchristlike thoughts and decayed ideas. Unchristlike thoughts 
and decayed ideas. Psalm 103, verse 5. Psalm 103, 5. Who satisfies your mouth, your necessity and desire at your personal age and situation. That's me. With good so that your youth renewed is like the eagles. Strong, overcoming, and soaring. You're going to fix me? Thank you. I feel renewed. Hallelujah. They that wait on the Lord renew their strength. Sometimes we need to learn to wait on the Lord. But he says here, he's satisfying us so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. That's Isaiah 40, 31. Now, why is that important? He says in verse 18 of that same chapter, 103, 18, to such as hear his covenant, to such as hear his covenant, that's what my mind's for, to process what I hear. Hearing, receiving, loving, and obeying it. And to those who earnestly remember his commandments, to do them, imprinting them on their hearts. When you hear a word like we heard Sunday, my God. Pastor Raven Hill, he, what a Bible expositor. I took, I took six pages of notes, and I'm going as fast as I could. I'm saying, my God, this guy's giving out a word. But wh here's, the, here's the importance of that. I don't need to just hear everything he said. What he was setting me up was, for was a prescription for divine warfare. Here's how you do war. Here's how you defeat the enemy. And if you guys, if we'll get on board as a body, here's the enemy's strategy. He wants to make every one of us think we're alone in the battle. You're all by yourself. You're alone in the fight. Not only is he with us, we're here to support one another. We supply strength. We supply encouragement. We supply intercession. We uplift. We undergird. Brother, you're going to make it. Brother, we're going through this thing together. Brother, don't let the enemy intimidate you. Don't be embarrassed by that. We're going to, we're going to do it. We may be making a joyful noise Sunday, but my God, a joyful noise sounds good under the anointing. Huh? Everybody in the body has been called and we can do something. Why? Look at what he says in verse 20 of 103. Bless affectionately, gratefully praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his commandments. Hearkening, get this, hearkening to the voice of his word. Hearkening to the voice of his word. Why is that important? Heaven speaks something even the angels don't understand. Heaven is speaking something and speaking a language the angels don't have the ability to perceive. When you declare what heaven speaks, you become the voice of his word. Did anybody hear that? Oh, I could never say that. 
I could never do that. You become the voice of his word, what heaven speaks. Why? Because heaven is prepared to enforce that which came from the heart of God. Heaven is prepared to enforce that which came from the heart of God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. See, we talk about, well, you know, brother, God is sovereign and he'll do whatever he wants to do. And many times in the church, for things that we don't understand or we don't want to make the, we don't want to make the sacrifice in intercession or fasting and prayer, sometimes these things go but by fasting and prayer. And we don't want to make the sacrifice to do it. We just sweep it under the rug of God's sovereignty. Well, God's sovereign and he'll do Yes, he is. And yes, he can do whatever he wants to do. But he's still a healing God. He's still a saving God. He's still a baptizing God. He's still worthy to be worshipped and adored. He's still worthy to be praised through things I don't understand. Hello. James chapter 1. This verse of scripture, I'm still living it out. Because it's a wonderful thing when we learn to, we, we should be learning to produce the fruit of the Spirit at work in our lives. That becomes our mindset. Dr. Hunt, there's a wonderful thing I used to walk a bunch of my discipleship classes through called the mind of Christ. That's why I love this. I, 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 because it, it's, a, it's an expose, it's a study on the practical application of the fruit of the Spirit in the life of a believer. How the fruit of the Spirit ought to be operative. So when James says in chapter 1, verse 1, Brothers, consider it joy when the fiery trial comes. I'm still struggling with that one, I'm telling you. Hello? What do you mean? I'm struggling with that when the doctor comes and says to me, your wife has to have a four-way bypass. How do we have joy in the middle of that? How do do I have joy? How do I rejoice when today I watch the funeral service of a youth pastor friend that was with my kids in campus choir uh, from Lee University and his wife last Tuesday, 36 years old, was out running in the city park with the family and a blood clot in her leg turned loose and went to her heart and killed her. And he buried her today. Left him with two, girl, two little small girls. How do you have joy in the midst of that? Yet will I praise him. Yet will I praise him. Job. I know my Redeemer lives. The kids are gone. The houses are gone. The land's gone. The wealth is gone. Everything has been taken away from me. But I know my Redeemer lives. And I know that because I know He lives, my mindset is He's going to judge and adjudicate it justly. He'll take care of it. Friends came by and said, Job, there's sin in your life, bro. You need to, 
you need to get your plane flying right here. You, you got, there's sin in the camp. Something's gone wrong or all this stuff wouldn't happen. Don't, believers don't ever, don't ever go there. Always extend mercy and grace. Oh, it's the judgment of God. When Madeline and I came here three years ago, almost three years ago, is it three years? We were two hurting people. And the Lord just said, come in here and sit down. And you know what y'all did? You loved on us. God, I've been serving the Lord a long time, guys. But at some point, I was at one of the deepest, darkest places in my life. Can I be transparent with you for a second? I'm not here airing my dirty laundry because I'm not going into detail. But a denomination that I'd served for 45 years said, we don't need you anymore. You're no longer needed. You're no longer relevant. You're out of here. 45 years. Boy, if you don't think the enemy will come and attack you, dude, you're worthless. Dude, you've blown it. I even had colleagues in ministry said, well, if he hadn't messed up, boy. And it wasn't, we had done nothing wrong. We'd gone through a tough place. But the Lord said, because I, I said, God, what, am I, what have we done here? What are we, do, what are we doing? He said, I'm picking you up and I'm taking you to a place that I'm going to show you. And I'm going to show you some things you've never seen before. And he set us down in this body and you just loved on us. He told us to shut our mouths. We weren't supposed to say anything until, until the time he said, get up and move. And the Sunday that Jeremiah said, gray hairs, it's time to get up, the Lord spoke to me and said, You've been sitting long enough. It's time to get up. Time to go. And so we answered the call and we said, Lord, whatever it is you want us to do, whatever it is you want us to do. And he placed us here and you loved on us and the healing of the Holy Spirit has been incredible. To now, we don't even look. As a matter of fact, you know what? I look back and I say, Thank you, Lord. And I don't say that with any pride or any malice in my heart because if he had left me where I was, I'd have probably died trying where I was. But he picked us up and moved us to a place and moved us into a place where people could just love and minister and pray for us. The first few weeks here, we couldn't get out of here without six or seven people laying hands on us and praying for us. I'm serious. Six or seven of you would come by. Brother, the Lord sent me to you to just, can I just pray for you? Can I just do this? That's a mindset that God wants to develop and expand in an even greater way in this, in this body. Because guess what? If he sent us here hurting, there's other people here that are coming hurting. They're broken. They're struggling with stuff. 
but he puts them in this body. I look around every Sunday whenever Brandon or, or Mick or Raul are saying, uh, we, we've got connect cards and Dave and Stacy are going to be passed. And no less than 15 to 25 hands go up. Every Sunday, new people. New, do you understand how powerful that is? And what a mindset and what an opportunity that God gives us to be able to advance the kingdom because he's sending them. They're coming from the north, south, east, and west, and the Holy Spirit is drawing them. Why? Because people come in here and sense Jesus is being exalted. Point me to Calvary. Point me to the blood. Point me to the Lamb. Point me to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit just anoints the Word, and things begin to come forth. And guess what? I'm, I'm finishing with this. Have I, I've been too long, haven't I? I'm sorry. Is it okay? When Jeremiah told us a few weeks ago about the divine fit and that it's okay, the season of being overlooked, that when the Lord chooses to do a divine work among a body of people, he begins to shift things. Things begin to move. And so when we heard the letter that Jeremiah read to us a few weeks ago, and I, I told him this. I'm not, I'm not telling you all anything I didn't tell him. I said, well, I was a little apprehensive about this because you had already let it be known from the pulpit. I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying. I'm here. And then all of a sudden, shift. What are we doing? And when you read that, the Holy Spirit said, it's necessary. It's needful. My mind says, yes, but why, Lord? So the body can take ownership of the ministry to which I've called them. Hello, body. And if it's really of God, we're the army of the Lord. And the Lord says, okay, I'm moving a general over to here. I'm promoting this, I'm promoting this colonel to general, and he's going to start going to the, to the nations and to regions. But the army says, that's okay. Go ahead. We'll hear from you whenever the Lord speaks, you speak. But we're in lockstep. We're not even going to break rank. We're just ministering. We're going to keep on marching. Why? Because we're the army of the Lord. We're the army of the Lord. We're, we, we're armed. We got the helmet on. We got the breastplate on. I'll just leave you. The, why, did he say, why did he say put the helmet of salvation on to protect the mind? He said, think saved. Think saved. I'm dead to sin. I'm dead to sin. It's no longer me that's living. It's Christ that's alive in me. Christ is alive in me. He's willing and doing according to his good pleasure. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're saying and doing in this body. Thank you, Lord, that you hear us, that we are hearkening to the voice of your word. Help us to hear. Help us to think. Help us to have the mind of Christ. Let that mind be in us that was also in Christ Jesus. You didn't think it was robbery to be equal with God. But when he humbled himself, your son humbled himself, you have highly exalted him.
Lord, help us to learn to humble ourselves because it's you who exalts us. In due time, when we let the Lord, he'll exalt us when he's ready for us to be exalted. But we first have to start with humility. 